Well, good morning. Morning. Good to be together. Wherever you're at, if you're here in the room or if you're in the South Auditorium or out in Windsor or online, good to be together. Something good happens when we gather together. There's a good energy, something powerful. It's really good. On Friday night, we got to gather for an event called Celebrate Volunteers. So this year, we focusing, we're focusing on a few things at Timberline. Pray, go, and give. And many of you have given your talents, your time to serve in some capacity here at Timberline. So on Friday, we got together to celebrate, to have a meal, and to sit down, and we had a musical uh, entertainer. And then at the end, um, he thought it would be fun to do something called the dab. Okay, if, if you just went like that, you know what the dab is. It's a thing these kids are doing these days. Uh, and if you have no idea, you're not a kid, so... Just ignore it. But that was that um, awesome event. If you don't know, um, it takes literally hundreds of people uh, to make Timberline the great place that it is in the way that we can serve our community and our world. So if you volunteer in some way, thank you. Um, There's people all over this building right now and all week that serve. So can we thank them uh, together? Yeah, today we get to take communion together at the end of our time, um, kind of in response to the series we're talking about. And there was a team that preps communion all weekend, um, and it takes a lot, a lot of work and a lot of time. If you are not serving or you want to serve in some way, whether it's with the communion team or others, we have a place called Serving Central out in the lobby there that you can connect with, and they would love to get you connected to opportunities. Well, we're in a series called Health Check. Health Check, it's four weeks, um, and it looks at the early church. So the early church was like the first people that followed Jesus. Okay, so they didn't have a Bible, they didn't have a building, they met together, and they did life together, and they did Jesus stuff, kingdom stuff together, because they didn't know what else to do. There was no big uh, structure. So we looked the first week at this word devoted. Uh, This last week, I asked a high school student, I said, hey, uh, what would you say the opposite of devoted is? Right, and he paused, and he goes, undevoted right and he's a senior in high school so I'm like dude like SAT's coming brother you probably should study um I'm like try harder and so he goes okay 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 he goes um maybe like the opposite of devoted would be apathetic like passive and I'm like all right that's not bad and we had this idea that the early church was devoted they were action-based, committed to a few things. They weren't passive. They didn't just like throw the cards up and see what would land or see what would happen. But they picked a few things, committed to it, and went hard after it. So in week one, we said, what's it mean to be active, devoted? Week two, we said, what's it mean to be devoted to the Lord, to Jesus' teaching, what he said? Um, and then week three, we said, what does it mean to be devoted to fellowship? Okay, the Greek word Pastor Derry talked about is koinonia, and all through the building all week, people kept saying quinoa, um, which is, it's a power word, like a power grain, uh, but not the right word, but koinonia, fellowship, commitment to being together, right? And we looked at that. This week, uh, we get to look at one of my favorite things. I think I got a sign this weekend because we're talking about food and meals, which is like, that's all I do is really just eat with people. It's fantastic. So we get to look at the early church and how they ate meals together. They were committed to eating meals, a daily meal, a whatever meal, a post-time together meal, but also the Lord's Supper. 
right? Some of us grew up calling it the Lord's Supper. Some of us called it communion. Some call it the Eucharist. These are all words that we would eat the bread representing the body of Christ and the blood representing, or I'm sorry, the juice representing his blood that was poured out. Um, so today we get to look at that. But this health check series um, has encouraged me to think, am I healthy? Like, what am I doing personally? Am I staying active enough? Am I working out? Am I eating healthy enough? Is my mind, am I keeping my mind engaged? Or am I doing the same things over and over? I have a bad habit. I love studying language. But I don't do it very often. And I'm terrible at it. Right? So I download Duolingo. Right now I'm looking at Italian. And, like, I know, like, the word for boy. And that's it. Um, So if you know Italian, don't talk to me. Because I'm just going to give you that and it's going to go well. Um, But I like to study different things like that to keep my mind sharp, to keep, to stay on top of it. What about health relationally? How are we doing when we're connected to other people? Are we devoted to other people? Are we devoted to church, to being together, to being healthy? So this weekend, um, it's all about that. It's a health check of how are you doing and your connection to God, like the early church. And it's also how are we doing? It's both you and me and us together. Well, about a year ago, I went through a a pretty bad sports injury where I messed up my shoulders from different training stuff. Um, And through that process, decided to go get a a new like health exam. Okay. So I went into the doctor and she said, Hey, to figure out where you're at, we have to do like a full blood, whatever. So they took a sample of blood and they're going to do this whole big test to figure out all the different levels, right? That she comes back in um, and drops like a ream of paper, just like right, on the desk, um, and before she can say, before you look, I'm already, like, like going through it real fast and seeing red, right, and if you're like me, you're competitive, so when you see red, you feel like a failure, and you're like, well, I know something's wrong, but I don't like it, and you see a couple greens and a couple yellows, and the doc says, she goes, hey, before you get too frustrated, here's the good news, um, I'm surprised you're doing as well as you are, and I'm <laughs> like, well, I'm pretty competitive, so I'm not going down easy. But also, she said, here's the really good news. Um, everything, the levels are, are fine, and they can all be addressed through your diet. And I said, well, that's, that might be good, but I really like to eat. Like, that's pretty important uh, to me. So we got, it, we got it dialed in, got all that stuff figured out, and it was good. But this health series, we're going to look at a couple things. And I'm going to invite you to assess a few things in your life and where you are at. So on the back of the program, um, there's this little meter thing, okay? And for me, I wrestle with this, okay? And I put it in there. But I wrestle with it only because it's really tricky to measure our faith, right? Some of it's up to me. There's some points in my life where I need to not be apathetic or passive, but I need to take action, and I need to be engaged, and I need to be open to what God would want to do. But there's other points in my life that might be not on, like, the green side, maybe more on the red area, that might not totally be my responsibility. It may be something around me that's changed or something that's happened. And so we're going to get to look at that this weekend and look at it in a few different ways. Two or three weeks ago, I got to sit down with Pastor Jeff Lucas. And Jeff Lucas does these things called life plans. It's through an organization called the Patterson Institute. And a life plan looks at, like, all these different areas. So it looks at you emotionally and socially and physically and spiritually, and it essentially gives you a way, like a life mission statement, or a way to measure everything in your life. So we spent like 20 hours together, and there's posters like all over. And through every different thing, he'd say, hey, okay, give me a color. Red, yellow, green, give me a color. 
And I'm like, I don't know, pick one, green, because I don't like to lose, always. Um, and we go through, and he goes, okay, here's what it means. If you're in the green, that means it's, you're doing well. Keep up what you're doing. Okay, it's not that you're successful or you're accomplished, but you're, keep on, keep on, keep on. Okay, if you're in the yellow, it means, hey, slow down. You maybe need to be aware. You maybe need to invest time or energy or try something different. And if you're in the red, it's not that you're like wrong or off or failure, but it's that, hey, you need to address this. This thing needs attention. Or for us, maybe we need to be open to allowing God to work in the area. So you have this chart. I'm going to draw it. Um, I am a terrible artist. Um, so if it's good, please clap. I need that. If it's bad, just laugh at me. It's fine. So, thank you for that. Huh? Yeah, there you go. It's, not, it's kind of more, I should just, whatever. Um, okay, so this side's colored in. We kind of have a gradient in here, whatever, in that side. So this would be more the red side on your program where it's dark. You can say that that is the red, the yellow in the middle, and the green uh, being to the right. I want to invite you to make this whatever you want. If you're a number person, number it. Feel free. If you don't like colors, fine. If you want to flip it and you're like, hey, I like, I like the full color for red or green or yellow, whatever. Just do what you want to do. And if you have no idea what to do, just look on the person next to you and just do what they do. So the first one is this, a little health check moment um, where I'm going to invite you to just draw a line or maybe put a box or circle, however you want to do it. Um, how are you doing when it comes to your engagement with God? Where is your faith journey at? Where is your faith journey at? If it's green, it's keep on. Okay, keep on, I feel like I'm connected well with God or where I want to be um, or what it is. If it's yellow, and maybe you're like, hey, I got to probably be aware. I maybe need to not necessarily do more, but I maybe need to be open to changing, to being inspired, to investing in a new or a different way. Or then if you're in the, in the red, it's like, hey, I, something's got to change. Maybe it's external. Maybe it's internal. Something's got to change. Uh, something needs to be address. So take a second, fill that out. Let's be respectful. I joke about cheating, but let's be like, keep it to yourself or share it, whatever. Um, so this weekend, we're going to look at a story, a narrative that actually happened in history in Acts 2, 42 through 47. This is the picture of the early church. This is the first generation Christians. Okay, so these are people that were either with Jesus or one step out. So they, were, they know someone that was with him physically together, and they're doing church. They're meeting together. They don't have a Bible, but they're carrying it out and remembering Jesus through teaching, through worship, through eating meals. So Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Man, talk about devotion. Holy cow. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see in this passage two different things. One, that they were committed to meeting together to eat meals. 
So there was a temple at the time. In there, the Jewish people would go historically daily. Okay, so they're coming, most of these Christians are coming out of Jewish tradition, and they would go back to a place called Solomon's Colonnade, a spot in the temple, and they would meet to eat a meal together. It was like a daily meal. It would be like, hey, I have an hour off work, let's grab Qdoba. Like it's a daily whatever meal. Um, And then they would also often at times celebrate the Lord's Supper or do communion, celebrate the Eucharist. We celebrate that today by eating bread, drinking juice, and it represents so much. It's a timeless practice, both tying creation to the life of Jesus, to us today, and his one-day return we see all through Scripture. So on your program in the back, point one, communion is a meal together. Communion is a meal together. Culturally, the Christians were eating a daily meal. It wasn't fancy, but at the heart of it was generosity and gladness. They were coming out of this Jewish tradition. We hear it called the law, the old covenant. It's that you have to do specific things in order to connect, to engage with God, to be forgiven for divisions or separations. They're coming out of that because of what Jesus has done by giving his life and being that sacrifice. So they are living in freedom and gladness, and eating meals, and enjoying that together. Meals for us are special. They're kind of a big deal, right? We sit down with meals all the time, and something rich can really happen, right? It's social, it's emotional, it's relational, it's spiritual in some way, right? We like to chop everything up and say, well, a meal is just social, but it's so much more uh, than that. I love meals together. Like, I love going to a restaurant, and then you have to tip, like, three times, because you sat at the table so long or you shut down the restaurant. Um, But there's something special about it where you just sit with people and talk life. And sometimes you talk deep and sometimes you don't, but something rich happens. Um, Wednesdays are one of my favorite days of the week. Every Wednesday, um, you might be wondering why, right? Every Wednesday, Village Inn has free pie. Yeah, pie and I. They go together. Okay, so Village Inn has free pie on Wednesdays, and every week a few buddies of mine, some TSM, Timberland student leaders, and a few high school students get together and eat pie. And sometimes uh, we talk about life and life with God and God, and other times we just sit and talk about aliens, and it makes no sense. Um, One week we decided to go to IHOP. Um, Man, front row and on the screen. David Archer. Okay, we go to IHOP, um, and a guy in the Dr. Pepper shirt, his name is Blade. And if your name is Blade, you should be setting records. And he just set the local IHOP pancake record at 14. So there you go. It's pretty impressive. But eating meals, something special happens. This group of guys has committed to say, hey, every Wednesday, most of us will be there. And sometimes we'll talk deep faith, and other times we're just going to be together. But something really rich happens. So for each of us in the room, for you, when was the last time you had a great meal with a family member, a friend, someone that you just needed to get connected with? When's the time that you sat down and left and were like, man, that was rich. There was something to that. That was spiritual, even though we didn't talk spiritual things. Or maybe when was the last time you sat down and just said to someone, hey, when was the last time you've seen God show up in your life? What was that about? What did it look like? 
So health check moment. On the back, there's another chart or another scale assessment for you. Um, But how are you doing when it comes to meals with others? To eating together, to investing, to celebrating. Maybe you want to say my attitude with that or the action of actually doing that. Or maybe it's for your family of saying, hey, we aren't doing well eating meals together anymore. Or we've never done that. Let's try to start eating a meal together once a week or whatever that looks like. Something good happens when we share meals together. Okay, if you don't know what to say, you're like, hey, I like the idea. I don't like to sit down with people. Okay, if you don't know what to say, um, steal from Foth, right? Foth is one of our teaching pastors. And whenever there's anything in my life that I don't know what to do, I just steal from Foth because it works out. Um, But Foth says this, if you need or you want to start to have a conversation with someone, ask them this. What was it like at your family dinner table growing up? Or where were you raised and brought up? Tell me about that. And we all have that in common in some way. Healthy or not, but we have that connected. I would add to that, what do you love doing? What gives you life? And I would add, where have you seen God show up in your life recently? What does that look like? You might be saying right now, hey, this is great, but no one's going to invite me to a meal. I get that. I do. For some of us in this room, that's very real. And I would encourage you to flip it over. And instead of sitting in that, in that, hey, no one invites me to grab a meal, who could you invite? Be the action, be the devotion to say, hey, why don't you join me? We all eat, so it's not like we need a ton more time or resource to make this happen. Invite someone in to join you. In the book of Luke, uh, Luke is the author of Luke and Acts. He's also a medical doctor. And he talks meals all the way through. I've always expected Luke to talk more medical, but he talks about food. And he kicks off his book and goes the whole way through with seven different meals. Seven different meals. The calling of Matthew, where he says, hey, I'm coming to your house. The alabaster perfume poured out, poured out on Jesus. The feeding of the 5,000. The meal with Mary and Martha. You know where one's in the kitchen and one is sitting with Jesus. We have two dinners with Pharisees. The meal on the road to Damascus. And my personal favorite... Once Jesus, crucified in the tomb, resurrected, he shows up to the disciples, right? And they say, is it actually you or is it a spirit? And he says, hey, why don't you feel the scars so they can feel he's a real person, right? So they'd go up, they touch his hands, they touch his feet, whatever. They realize it's tangibly, physically Jesus, okay? And the first thing Jesus says after this in the book of Luke, he goes, hey, do you have anything to eat? Right, why? Well, one, because he's fully human, Right? He's not just a spirit, but he's fully human. So God raised a man back to life, but also because meals are important. It's a celebration that they get to be together. In Luke 22, he captures the prep of the Passover meal. The Passover meal is this iconic meal going back to the Israelites in Egypt, and they're going to celebrate this meal in this very intimate setting. The timing was everything, and the celebration was key. Luke 22, verse 15. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. That's that fast forward meal he's talking about. Verse 19, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. In your program, communion is a celebration. Communion is a celebration. 
I picture this meal, right? Imagine sitting there and someone saying to you, this picks up bread and says, hey, this is my body, eat it. And you're like, right? If that was me, I'd be like, hey, enjoy the bread, call you tomorrow, not sure what's going on here, right? It's a weird thing to think about. Or this is my blood, drink my blood. Like if somebody says that to you, you're not like, if they are, you shouldn't be there, okay? What is going on? So to know what's going on, we got to go back to Genesis 2, to creation, okay? We pick up and it says that God created man. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. God breathed life. We know now that our blood, okay, carries oxygen. It carries life through our bodies. We fast forward a bit, okay? Psalm 139 says that God created us. He created Adam. He created you and me, for he created us in our inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Adam was made by God, given breath, given life. We are made by God, given breath, given life. As a child created, you have 60,000 miles of blood vessels through your body. If you stretch them out into one, one way. As an adult, you reach almost 100,000 miles of blood vessels. 100,000. It's four times around the globe. Unbelievable. Because God is the life giver. We fast forward. Israelites in Egypt. God is coming to set them free. And in Exodus 12, we see that if they want life, during the judgment of the Passover, they need to put blood on the doorpost. Blood for life. In Leviticus 17, we see the Israelites were not to eat or drink of blood because it is life and life is special. In verse 11, for the life of a creature is in its blood and I have given it to you to make atonement, forgiveness, connection for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that atones for one's life. Blood brings life. The blood idea is timeless. Jesus came, okay, he's talking about this before he was crucified. His blood came out because blood brings life. In Hebrews 9, it says, in fact, the law requires everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. John 6, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. Life forever, life to the fullest, now and for eternity. So what Jesus was actually saying is, hey, if you want to have life now and you want to have life later, you need to be part of the life I'm giving. You need to receive that. And communion, breaking of bread, pouring out of juice or blood, is a way that we get to tangibly be a part of that. Back to Dr. Luke. Maybe he wrote more medical than we ever thought. We think he's talking about meals, but maybe he's literally saying, hey, when you have life, you eat in remembrance of who Jesus is. In your program, communion is remembrance. Communion is remembrance. Imagine sitting at this meal, right? You're with a person. You're with incarnate God, Jesus in front of you. And he says, do this in remembrance of me, but you're with them already. We don't often have that situation, right? Or do this, remember me by this, and then they're gone. Okay, but Jesus set this up that do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance for me is really tricky, right? I forget stuff all the time. Historically, I'm pretty known to stop a conversation and write something down and then be like, okay, you can talk again, right? Because I forget so quickly. Almost every night, right, when my wife and I go to bed, it's, okay, good night, I love you, bye. Okay? And I roll over and turn out the light 
and pick up my phone and type like eight things down because I'm like, I got to remember to do all this tomorrow because if it's in my brain right now, I'm not going to sleep, right? Because remembrance is tricky. And recollection and remembrance are two different things. Recollection is the thought of, right? So right now, I have a dog at home in the kennel. Thought of it, okay, she's there. I have a brother, his birthday's coming up. That's good, a thought. Or I can remember about that one time I went to the beach, right? Dude, beach and pie, that's all you need. I'm just saying. Whew. Okay, probably a few other things. Anyway, so the entire Bible, we see this difference of recollection and remembrance. And remembrance is always action-based, right? So in Genesis 8, we see God remembered Noah, so he brought them to dry ground. In Genesis 19, God destroyed cities, but remembered and sustained the life of Abraham. In Genesis 30, God remembered Rachel. He thought of her, but then he remembered her and took action and gave her a child. In John 3.16, iconic passage, right? God didn't just think of us. It was like, well, good luck, humanity, but remembered and what? took action, sent his son to come to pour out blood that we may have life. It all begins to connect. This word in Hebrew is zakar, Z-A-K-A-R. And in a book called 52 Every Hebrew, I'm sorry, 52 Hebrew Words Every Christian Should Know, the author defines it as this. To zakar, remember, is to use your hands, your feet, your lips, or whatever is required to bring action to memory. Remember devoted, it's not passive, it's action. Remember remembrance, it's action. It's connected to the Greek word, actually in the text, amnesis, which means an action whereby the object is represented in memory. It's flipped over. You remember it because of the action, or you take action because of the thought. So when Jesus is saying, do this in remembrance of me, it's not a nice idea. He's not setting up, hey, Christians, do this and think of me. But he's literally saying, you are part of something that's timeless. From creation when life was breathed, to Jesus on the cross poured out life, to now, we are part of this thing that is an action-based recollection, put tangibly into bread and blood so that we could live a life to the fullest, a life that is full. So suddenly communion is not this meal together that is just nice or thoughtful or that's what Christians do. But it's that God has remember, remembered mankind. He remembered you and me through the action of his son that we may have life and sustenance, blood and bread and eternity with him. So last health check moment. In your program, on the back, how are you doing with this remembrance thing? Maybe it's faith-based where you go through your week and you're like, oh, I should probably pray. Or you're going through your week and you, I should probably not say that or think this or do this. Or it's I should whatever but you need to take action. It's connected to faith that I should actually, I'm gonna do that. I need to be committed to that. Maybe it's an openness. It's not like something you have to do, but it's, hey, I should probably be more open or more aware of what God would want to do in my life and then actually being open and aware of what God would want to do in your life. Or maybe it's just like tangibly based where you're like, yeah, I thought of my brother. I should probably send him a text, <laughs> right? Actually just send the text, right? Maybe it's that way more for you. So take a second uh, and fill out that last health check moment. As we close, the last point, communion is an invitation. Communion is an invitation. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul is the author, and Paul is like, one of, this is my favorite passage of communion. 
okay, what's going on is that the early church, okay, they kind of grew, they started spreading out. So the church in Corinth that Paul was writing to was having meals together, but they were mixing it all up. And what was happening is the wealthy in the community would work a half day, they would bring their food and wine, and they would show up and kind of like binge eat and drink all afternoon. And at that point, the people that had to work all day, those that usually didn't have as much money would show up and there would be like no food. And they didn't bring food because they couldn't afford it. And everyone was already eating and drinking all day. And it created this huge division in the church. The invitation for us is to see what Paul was saying. He said two things. One is that we are one church. We're one group. We're one set of people that believe. And it's one group for all. It's not the wealthy and the poor. It's not those that can afford, those that can't. But it's that all of us together hinged on Jesus. He literally said, hey, you're getting it wrong. Here's what Jesus said, and he quotes Jesus in that passage. So for us, the invitation is this. We get to be part of a celebration that's been going on for thousands of years, something that Jesus himself set up. And we also get to be invited to uniting together when we do it. We're different in here, and our differences can bring us strength if they're focused on Jesus. The other thing is personal, right? It's the you. It's the me. It's the invitation to engage with who Jesus is. If this all hinges on him, and it's all about his forgiveness, his life, his blood poured out for me, where am I at with that? Maybe you're in the room this morning, and you're like, I've thought of this, but I've never remembered or took action on it. And maybe today you need to take action and say, no, that's what I believe. I believe that he lived and died and rose again, and that his body, his blood that's represented in this food is what it brings life to my bones now and into eternity. So today, we get to celebrate by taking communion. We get to celebrate celebrate the remembrance and eat together. Um, the early church, there's a, there's a great book called Early Christianity. It's a history, church history book. And in it, this guy Paul Mayer says this, the early church worship included the Lord's Supper as a joyful thanks to God and the highest form of worship. Eating and drinking the body and blood of the incarnate Christ without necessarily explaining how.